Welcome to the Brigham Medical Education Research Podcast. We will be discussing Brigham authors and their medical education research. I am your host, Caitlin DeCastro. Today we are sitting with Dr. Helen Shields from Brigham and Women's Gastroenterology Department. Dr. Shields, welcome and thank you for talking with us today. I am honored and delighted to discuss our article entitled The Scope of Burnout Amongst Young Gastroenterologists and Practical Solutions from Gastroenterology and Other Disciplines, which was published online in January 2019 in Digestive Diseases and Sciences. I'm the senior author on this paper, which was originally proposed by two of my award-winning teaching fellows who had taught with me at the Harvard Medical School's Gastrointestinal Pathophysiology course, and they are Dr. Edward Barnes, who's now Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology and Hepatology at the University of North Carolina Medical Center in Chapel Hill, and Dr. Gian Prakesh Avi Ketwaru, who's Assistant Professor of Medicine in the Division of Gastroenterology at Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, Texas. Dr. Barnes and Dr. Ketwaru are both the proposers of the idea for this paper and are equal co-first authors. What was it that brought you to research burnout and trainees and junior faculty that specialize in GI? So it was Dr. Barnes and Dr. Avi Ketwaru, who actually are young gastroenterologists, who had gone out into practice and had noticed from their work with the American Gastroenterological Association's Committee on Trainees and Young Gastroenterologists that there was a significant issue and problem with burnout in this junior population of gastroenterologists. And it was they who proposed the idea. I became very interested in the topic because I myself had seen in our young gastroenterologists in Boston, whom I'd work with in teaching and research commitments, I had seen this also but had never studied it. How did you design the study? Before I get into how we designed the study, I want to say that this week in the Harvard Gazette, there was a very timely article on burnout in physicians published by Dr. Joel Goh, a Harvard Business School visiting scholar from the National University of Singapore, and his article was published in the Annals of Internal Medicine in May of 2019. And it showed that the burnout of physicians costs the healthcare system $4.6 billion a year. Prior studies had already shown that burnout, which is defined as a state of mental exhaustion, depersonalization and lack of the sense of personal accomplishment had already been shown in multiple studies to cause less good patient outcomes, decreased patient satisfaction, and distinctly increased rate of career dissatisfaction for the physicians who experienced burnout. So we designed our study in two ways which was to both address the issue of is burnout more prevalent in the younger gastroenterologist who goes into practice in the first five years or is a trainee, and what are we going to do about it? How are we going to turn back the tide of burnout, which is so severe that it's actually engendered 
whole new disciplines in hospitals called wellness centers or the wellness officer and institutional incentives to try to avoid burnout. Did you face any roadblocks or difficulties? We did not. We recognized, however, that factors that in the literature have potentially contributed to burnout include weak leadership, excessive administrative tasks, lack of control over scheduling, work hours that are too long and inadequate time to pursue career activities and home activities that are important to the individual physician in addition to any innovations in research or education that they may want to pursue. What was fascinating and frightening to us was the fact that when different stages of careers were studied, it appeared from the literature at first glance that young physicians and gastroenterologists in the earliest phases of their careers were significantly more affected by burnout and had the lowest satisfaction in their overall career choice. Were you surprised at all by the results? Yes, very surprised. I would have thought it was the mid or later career Mm -hmm. gastroenterologist who were more affected and affected by burnout and was absolutely shocked that it was the earliest stages, yes, that were being uh, targeted as the highest group to focus on. What impact will this have on the medical education community and medicine in general? Well, our article focused on coming up with reasonable, practical, implementable solutions. And the unique reasons that our article was accepted were that we went to physicians who were successful in their sort of mid-career in practice and leaders in business and education who were highly successful and ask them for practical solutions to avoid burnout. And what we came up with, we felt, were some very valuable things. The interviews that Dr. Barnes and Dr. Ketwaru did with were the early career gastroenterologists, namely Dr. Mark Piper from Michigan, Dr. Lee Sigmund from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Dr. R. Brooks Vance from GI Associates in Mississippi. I did interviews with three mid-career practitioners, Dr. Paul Seepy at Hawthorne Medical Associates in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, Dr. Sam Summers, GI Associates of New Hampshire and Concord Gastroenterology, New Hampshire, and Dr. Wynne Travassos, digestive health specialist in Chelmsford, Massachusetts, They were the private practitioners that I interviewed. And then I interviewed Dr. Joseph Badaracco and Dr. Thomas DeLong of Harvard Business School and Dr. Howard Gardner and Dr. James Honan at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. And what we found for the private practitioners, their suggestions, which can be adapted to any practice who's interested in avoiding burnout, are the following top five items to implement. Number one, that there should be flexibility of the work schedule such that 20% or one whole day during the week is paid free time, which can be used to pursue the interests of that doctor at work or at home and aid in establishing a better work-life balance. 
Second, each of the doctors interviewed noted that there was a fair distribution of the workload during weekdays, holiday, and weekend coverage, and this was without regard for seniority. That led to improved morale, teamwork, and a sense of personal value in the practice. Third, each practice allowed participation in the governance of the practice for the individual practitioner and its decision-making processes. Having your vote count made a difference. Finally, the last two were that making work-life balance a high priority daily for each of the practices meant that if your child suddenly was had a lead part in a play and you hadn't scheduled time off, the practice would come together and find someone to cover you for that so you could get to your child's play. And last but not least, learning to say no, N-O, to additional procedures, consultations, and plum assignments that might lead to fame and fortune, but misery on the home fronts and burnout were absolutely encouraged to learn to say no. The business leaders and leaders in education had a different set, but a very complementary set of realistic ways of avoiding burnout. First, they asked for a salary structure with a high enough base salary so that any additional income from speaking engagements and travel, which can be time consuming and draining, was not necessary. Second, they encouraged the surrounding yourself with great colleagues who could join you on collaborative research projects that are refreshing, reinvigorating, and motivating on a continual basis. A third, they insisted on excellent administrative support, which was helpful and critical to avoiding burnout and accomplishing their goals. A fourth, they had daily routines of exercise, golfing, hobbies, and identifying the home as sacred space or an anchor place where you could recharge your batteries on every evening. All of these were helpful to avoiding burnout. And finally, they also said learning to set boundaries and recognizing the need to say no. If an uh, invitation didn't feel like a good fit, it was recommended that you tell the inviter immediately other people who were good choices who could take your place and so the inviters are helped with their goals, but you do not have to say yes. You've learned to say no and avoid burnout. I really did invite how you included the solutions as well, because you don't always see that in a study. Yes, and then finally, we had a special shout out and mention for Dr. Jerry Trier, the former chief of gastroenterology at Brigham and Women's Hospital and professor of medicine emeritus at Harvard, who had this innovative uh, program he established at the Brigham and is still ongoing, which is unbiased mentorship over a three-year fellowship in gastroenterology, how it pits and pairs a faculty member whose interest is in an entirely different area with a new fellow. So for instance, if the new fellow says, I'm interested in the esophagus, instead of pairing them with an esophageal expert at the Brigham, he would pair them deliberately with a liver expert so that they got unbiased, valuable advice and that they met in a structured manner over the three-year period. This has been found by the fellows at the Brigham to be hugely helpful in guiding their careers. In my own career, I want to say that I avoided burnout over my many years 
of a career by making some difficult decisions, compromises, and choices. These choices did lead to a career trajectory as on a slower pace, but my three choices that I made that I feel helped me avoid burnout were, number one, I deliberately chose at mid-career to cap my new patient load and say no to all new patients in order to have the time to focus on my current patients and have time to be innovative and creative in research and educational endeavors. Number two, I hired an administrative assistant, Jean Crouchy, who was devoted to the idea that I would be able to see my son's soccer games or hear his piano recitals, and she created the most flexible schedule for my patients, my educational meetings, my research meetings, such that I was able to get to my son's activities as well as fulfill my professional responsibilities. And finally, I applied for and was granted three small grants from Harvard Medical School over a period of seven years that enabled me to buy out clinical time with my chairman's permission and I used that time to create uh, an innovation that led to my promotion to professor at Harvard Medical School. So I am delighted I made those difficult but a very thoughtful compromises and that meant all the difference between burnout and success in my career. If you could have done anything differently, would you have? I would agree with my fellows that in order to avoid burnout, one needs to understand your own strengths, weaknesses, and career goals early on. And that I uh, agree with accepting mentorship from valued and respected mentors was for me the most important guidance I had. I only wish that I had asked for even more mentoring. Uh, I found that the advice that the senior mentors gave and uh, their evaluation of my strengths and weaknesses and what I wanted to do was absolutely the most valuable way for me to succeed in what it was that I hoped to accomplish in addition to a good work-life balance. So I guess I would have asked for more mentoring if I uh, had only realized how valuable ultimately it was. It was. What kind of impact do you think this will lead? So our article has received commendation because it does, for the first time, provide practical solutions which should be implemented at the clinical practice level and at the institutional level. It says that these things do make a difference. Scribes, for instance, helping with the uh, electronic medical record, sufficient nursing assistant to help with refilling prescriptions, sufficient time off. A full day off is ideal rather than two half days where it's hard to get a project off the ground. So time off, equality in coverage, and a commitment by the institution or practice to your getting to your children's or family's activities 
it goes a long way to preventing emotional exhaustion that characterizes burnout. So I think it's all doable, and I think uh, having wellness officers and institutional financial commitments are wonderful, but I also think the solutions that we're saying from both business, education, and practice actually need to be paid attention to, that base salary is important, so you're not running after every dollar uh, with more time spent at the practice rather than at home. Absolutely. Well, I really have enjoyed this study. I've enjoyed speaking with you about it as well. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you, you Caitlin, so so much. Special thanks to the Brigham Education Institute at Brigham and Women's Hospital, and thank you for listening.